Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our worship theme for this morning underscores God's amazing power. Through the word, the Lord crushes evil. Our gospel lesson really emphasized Jesus' power over evil as he drove that legion of demons out of the poor man they had been uh, possessing into a nearby herd of pigs, as we heard. But what I'd like us to focus on this morning is what happened at the very end of that gospel lesson. The man from whom the uh, demons had come out was now once again himself. He was normal, he was clothed, he was sitting at Jesus' feet, and he was wanting in the worst way to go with Jesus and become one of his disciples. He was so grateful for what God had done for him, he thought that was the best way for him to show his thanks. But did you hear what Jesus said to him just as he was leaving, getting into his boat? He said, no, no, don't come with me. Instead, return to your home and tell how much God has done for you. That will do more to build the kingdom of God, Jesus implied, than coming with me. And maybe that's why some of the words of St. Paul in our second lesson, words to young pastor Timothy, strike me as so reassuring to Christians like us, perhaps, who want to do the right thing, but aren't always sure that we know how to evangelize or how to testify or what it means to share our faith. As St. Paul writes to this young Timothy, just beginning his public ministry, we don't hear him saying anything about ringing doorbells or knocking on the doors of strangers, things that we associate with the word evangelism. And we don't hear him telling Timothy that he's expected to share some memorized presentation or other. Just tell what you know, St. Paul tells Timothy. Just tell what you have experienced yourself in your own life, he tells Timothy, and us. In other words, don't be ashamed to tell what God has done for you. Don't be ashamed simply to tell what you know to be true, what God has done in your life, and what you have come to believe. That's St. Paul's encouragement to would-be evangelists like Timothy and like us. Let's see what he means in these uh, words from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now Paul is writing these words to Timothy from his jail cell in Rome uh, where he had been arrested because he was preaching the gospel. And as he writes this letter, he thinks back on the warm relationship that he has had with his young colleague Timothy over many years. The thing that impresses uh, St. Paul's memory here is the fact that Timothy 
had been the recipient of multiple generations of saving Christian faith. He writes, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Timothy had been influenced by generations of Christian believers in his family. And Paul could see the results of the Christian testimony of both Timothy's grandmother and his mother. Timothy was uh, a Christian in large part because his mother and his grandmother were not ashamed to tell what God through Jesus had done for them. They didn't hesitate to talk about the God that they worshiped and served to their child and their grandchild. Do we always realize that our largest opportunity for telling about what God has done for us and in our lives and for confessing the truth about Jesus that we have come to know is right in our own families? How many of us have had the benefit of receiving the faith from generation, multiple generations of Christians who have come before us, who uh, have been willing to pass along the stories about Jesus to their children that they have learned at their mother's knees until it has come all the way down to us? The fact that we believe in Jesus as our Savior is, of course, a miracle of the Holy Spirit worked through the proclamation of the gospel in holy baptism and in the spoken word. But how many of us, humanly speaking, owe our faith to those within our own families who brought us to church or Sunday school, who reinforced the message of our sins and of God's amazing grace. That's the first place we ought to be looking for uh, opportunities to quietly testify to God's loving forgiveness by offering forgiveness ourselves to those loved ones uh, who may have hurt us, especially within our own families. I know our Culture's values tell us don't talk religion when you get together with your family. But the apostle reminds us that that wasn't necessarily the Heavenly Father's standard. He doesn't endorse uh, such a hands-off approach when it comes to our faith. St. Paul writes, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. God has placed into the hearts of Christians the desire to share the love that uh, we have received from God with the people around us. And he has given us the power of the gospel, which announces the free forgiveness of sins to all who are willing to believe it. He has given us also a remarkable degree of control over ourselves, self-discipline, St. Paul calls it here, so that we're able to speak up at times when it might be easier or more comfortable to say nothing. 
as we realize that there are things more important in life than our own personal comfort. Eternal souls are at stake. And that's why we're encouraged to talk about the things of God. Uh, not necessarily the policies of the church or the peculiarities of the pastor, but the truth of God's law and gospel and the simple stories about God and his love and what God's love has done in our lives. Because that's the message that reached us and changed our hearts to faith in Jesus. St. Paul beautifully describes the Christian faith that has been passed down uh, to us. Here in this letter to Timothy, he writes this, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's the simple truth of Christianity. It acknowledges that God has called us to a holy life and that all of us have failed miserably to give God the holiness that he requires of us. It tells us that Jesus came into this world in human flesh to supply the holiness with his perfect life that each of us needed and to take our place by accepting punishment that God's holy law decreed for each of us sinners. Jesus absorbed the blow for us on the cross of Calvary, but it cost him his life. When he came back to life on Easter morning, he proved that he had taken away the power and the control of sin once and for all and had brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The simple message about what Jesus did. It's that simple gospel that we are privileged to confess as we do in the words of the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. That's the gospel story that we have come to believe about Jesus and about which we have the privilege of testifying to our family and friends and neighbors. It's just telling what God has done for us. This morning it occurs to me that I have something to tell about what God has done for me in recent weeks. The day before Mother's Day, back in May, as my wife and I were uh, visiting our daughter and her family in Kansas City, uh, I woke up in the morning and found out I couldn't walk. I couldn't put any weight on my right leg, uh, which is where I also have a, a total hip uh, replacement. Uh, so after an ambulance ride to uh, Kansas University Hospital's emergency room, and after a day of poking and prodding and scanning and testing, it was determined that I had an infection in or near my right hip. What followed over the next several weeks 
um, two of them spent in two different hospitals, was a series of outcomes that either could have turned out very bad or quite well. The infection that I had could have gone through my whole system, could have become septic, and I might have been dead in a couple of weeks. But it didn't. Um, the infection could have uh, gone into my hip joint, uh, where if that were the case, it might have uh, resulted in my being in a wheelchair for the rest of my life because of the complications of the, the total hip joint that I have. But it didn't. It stayed in its own little nodule nearby. Um, the uh, bacteria could have been uh, rare or difficult to treat, but it wasn't. It was easily identified and is being treated uh, with, uh, with antibiotics so that uh, hopefully it will never come back. Now, whether or not you would consider those things as miracles of God, as I do, that's one thing. But no one could deny that those things are evidence of God's goodness to me over these past several weeks, which have enabled me then to be able to uh, be almost back to normal and to be here with you this morning sharing God's word. How could I not talk about the things that God has done for me? And that's the reason St. Paul says we should not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. In fact, St. Paul says, uh, be ready to suffer for your testimony if it comes to that. He said, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. If um, telling people what God has done for us leads the enemies of Christ to oppose us, uh, to attack us, St. Paul says we should welcome that. It only confirms that we're confessing the truth, that we're standing up for Jesus, who at the cross of Calvary stood up for us. Don't be ashamed to testify, St. Paul says, uh, about the one who stood up for you. And as you strive to tell the people in your lives about what God has done for you, remember this. Nobody expects you single-handedly to evangelize, indoctrinate, and assimilate into uh, the church that family member or that neighbor or that co-worker who has no solid church home right now. That's why we have a Christian congregation with many different people and many different gifts, uh, where many people work together under God to accomplish those goals. Your part in the equation is simple, but it is absolutely vital for the church to grow. Just invite that unchurched person to come here to meet Jesus. Better yet, bring them with you when you come to worship or to Bible study. Don't be ashamed to tell what you know about the unlimited love of God in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit promises us that he will bless our testimony for Jesus' sake. Amen.